0: Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Andrew,
1: and I'm Rachel,
0: and we are Picture the Scene podcast, brought to you by Aura Studios. We are a True Crime podcasts aiming to put you, the listener, at the scene of the crime. We bring you a new episode on a weekly basis, mainly focusing on lesser-known crimes from the UK and Ireland. However, at times we expand into cases from anywhere in the world, and all ones that are well-known. Now, as we are a True Crime podcast, listener caution is always advised. So please be aware of this, just in case you thought we were a baking podcast.
1: Oh, what would you bake if we were? That's um, a really good good, uh, good point.
0: I'd say it was really good to bake a Japanese oh. cheesecake.
1: Wow. Was not expecting that.
0: Because they're pancakes. not actually...
1: I would... yeah. Can you bake pancakes? No, they you can't cook, bake pancakes. You cook pancakes. Brownies. That's what I would bake. Brownies. Let's move on swiftly.
0: Rachel and a special Brian. is Okay, then. So, if you like what you hear, please do follow us on whatever social media platform you prefer. Subscribe to it on your preferred podcast platform of choice, and if you have the capability, give us a recent review as well. It means the world to us, especially that subscription. If you listen on Apple, that subscription actually moves us up the charts. On Apple, it's downloads. And subscriptions that affect the charts so ahead, you wanna... guys
1: you you can't see andrew right now but it's like he's telling me to like and subscribe um in <laughs> in this particular he, he just looked straight at me when he said that
0: he's <laughs> um, actually sorry so
1: i i feel like I like i've been told and, and trust me andrew i do like and subscribe
0: sorry about that it's um, okay and if you like is that much that you want to support us, you can do so for less than the price of a cup of tea of coffee on Patreon. We currently only have one tier, and that's at uh, £1 a month, which I think is about $1.30 or $1.20 if you're American. Uh, when we release bonus content every month, the links to our social medias and Patreon can be found in the show notes or visit patreon.com forward slash theme pod. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash S-E-N-E-P-O-D. Additionally, we now release, where possible, each episode a week early on Patreon. So if you need another episode and don't want to wait, it'll be there for you. So, Rachel, how have you been since we last spoke?
1: I've not been too bad, thank you. I actually, I've hurt my knee. Oh,
0: how uh, do you do that?
1: Which is, is restricting some some sport uh, at the minute. I actually, uh, yeah, went over on it during... Um, a training session the other day so uh very frustrating you see it's all that. part and parcel of getting old isn't
0: it it is and i don't have training sessions so that's why i keep myself nice and safe i'm round yeah. um
1: <laughs>
0: so,
1: how about you how have you been
0: you know what? i've been sparkling yes it's been um yeah it's been a bit cold hasn't it with the weather and the snow and whatnot but yeah it's um yeah i've been good
1: Guys, obviously we, we record in events and uh, it is a snow day here at the minute. And um, when I say snow day, it's like proper snow. Like we are talking like eight, maybe nine inches of snow on the ground, which is exciting. Um, so, yeah, hopefully yes. everyone is or has enjoyed the snow around wherever you are and stayed <laughs> safe, of course.
0: And who doesn't love a good eight or nine inches, Rachel? But um, <laughs> this this one should be out at the, I think, towards the end of March. Sorry, that's for a really joke. Um, but we'll so the there'll hopefully be no more snow then, but yes. Um, the question is, I have to ask you, Rachel. I don't know why I said that. Sorry. Um, are you ready for some true crime?
1: Absolutely, Andrew. Let's get back to true crime. Less of the baking, less of the snow, more of yes. the crime.
0: Exactly. Now, today's case, I found... Well, I was researching last week's case, actually, Rachel, so I thought I'd cover it. It's strange, I think it's strange sometimes how the cases we cover appear to us, isn't it?
1: It is, and I think it's very apparent, because we have taken on a couple of cases from listener recommendations. It's very apparent when something finds us versus when we go out and find something, and I I have heard other pods talk about that as well before, Um, but yeah, it is.
0: Although last week's case was a listening one, and I actually really liked that case. It was oh, really yeah. Interesting. But, yeah, um, but there,
1: there definitely is a difference, though, when you're yes. doing like the all the discovery and getting all the oh, it's not materials harder. together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and also for you to like understand, like your side, where you sit on on yeah. the on the crime as well. Like you have yeah. to kind of determine that before you even put that pen to paper, don't you?
0: Yeah, you do. You have to find your voice, though. Yeah. Yeah. So So eloquent. It's so eloquent, yes. (laughs) Today, I'm going to take us back to 1991, Rachel. Wednesday the 29th of May, to be exact. And we're in Crewe, which is a town in the county of Cheshire in England. Now, at the time in question, it had a population of around 70,000 people. And on this day, it was quite a nice day for May, with a temperature at 13 degrees Celsius, which is about 56 degrees Fahrenheit. And it was dry, not very windy, and it was a little bit sunny. So for Catherine, nice. yeah, for Catherine Ailing, however, it wouldn't have mattered what the weather was like, as she was just leaving the crew and Althagar College of Higher Education on Crew Road in Crew. said Crew a lot there. heading off to her car in the early evening, and she just finished studying in a college library for one of her final exams for her humanities degree. With her exam being on the next day, actually, it was between 7.30 and 7.50 p.m., as that was around the time someone last saw her in the library. Catherine's dream was to be a university lecturer. So these exams marked the end of a a degree education, but the start of her work towards that goal. So she wasn't just so full on laser laser focus on her career. She loved life and she loved her friends. She was the youngest of four sisters and she actually had a passion. For a Christian Dior perfume.
1: Wow, is there's is, is not a lot of people I've heard have a passion for a perfume before. Interesting.
0: I, I guess in the late eighties, early nineties, it was uh, a bit more exotic to get these designer perfumes, wasn't it?
1: I yeah. Do you know what? That's that's totally right. Um, I reckon there was like yeah, an obsession maybe with like if you did get or could afford something, especially being a student. Um, that, yeah, there would be that that love for it.
0: Definitely. Now, as she got into her car, she wasn't in an abandoned area, Rachel. It was a college car park in the early evening. It was still daylight. And there were people about, multiple witnesses, a mother and a daughter and another woman saw her get into her car and would say that they saw someone else in the car with her. But they assumed it was just another student because to them... It looked like they were just horsing around. Their ways, not mine, having some fun. But there's always a but with these cases. That couldn't be further from the truth, Rachel. Oh,
1: gosh.
0: There, There was someone else in the car, a Curtis Howard, who did know Catherine, but there was no horsing around, no having fun. When she got into the car, he had been waiting for her. He unleashed a frenzied attack on her. She tried to defend herself. And now we know that because defensive wounds appeared on her. But the fact that he was 24, the same age as Catherine, but he was fit and athletic, six foot four inches tall, compared to her slight figure standing at just five foot three inches tall, made, she didn't really have a chance of trying to survive the attack, no matter how much she tried. He the wanted thing her,
1: is as well, yeah. it, sorry, sorry yeah, to interrupt okay. there. The thing is as well, you've got in a car... Like, I guess your guard's down. You're about to like get into the driver's seat. You're not, you're you're not like defensively aware, are you? Yeah, you
0: can't escape over.
1: Yeah, you're probably like, you're really relaxed. You're just going to throw your bag on the driver's, on the passenger seat and just getting ready to like drive off. Whereas if you're in the street, for instance, and someone's coming towards you, you're almost going to like, brace a bit aren't you and 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 be more prepared so like yeah that that would be um even for somebody that was quite strong that would be a really difficult situation um to be in and to um you know de- yeah defend yourself
0: exactly Now, he wanted her dead rachel and oh. he got what he wanted ultimately in the end he stabbed her 10 times in the chest and throat and then when he'd finished he slashed her throat with a four-inch foldable knife.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Very quickly afterwards, he moved Catherine's body from her car into a green Montego car that he had rented into the boot of that car, and he put it there along with the knife he'd used to kill her with.
1: In broad daylight again, because it's, what, 7 o'clock in May?
0: Yeah, so phone records from his hotel showed him at 7.50 p.m., Calling Continental Airlines to check flights from Gatwick Airport to the United States. So we know that time frame. She was seen roughly around half past seven-ish in the library at seven fifty. He was phoning the hotel, uh, the airport, airline up. So we know at some point in between then, which is when he killed her.
1: Yeah, and like Gatwick's good, like five or six hour drive away from Peru as well.
0: It's uh, two and a half to three hours. And Google mapped it. Oh. Uh, wow. it's just over 200 miles. Um, which is my next sentence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, now so at uh, 8 pm roughly, set off, well, if
1: you're a Sunday uh, driver like me, <laughs>
0: yes, <laughs> at 8 pm roughly, set off in that rented car to drive just over 200 miles to get with the airport. Arriving uh, just after 1 a.m. on the following day, on the Thursday, leaving the car in the airport car park and catching a flight back to the United States at 11 a.m. that day. I say back because he was American.
1: Oh my god! And he just like discarded her in an airport car park. Yes. She probably hasn't even been reported missing yet.
0: No, she hasn't. No. So.
1: Oh, this is awful.
0: Yeah. Getting on to that point, when Catherine failed to turn up for exam on the Thursday morning the next day. Does it
1: sound to our listeners like I've read your script and I'm just? adding in spoilers.
0: (laughs) It does, but it's good because it means that I'm writing this in the right format because what you're thinking is what I'm about to say next. Um, So when Catherine failed to turn up for exam on a Thursday morning, her puzzle tutors visited her her home that she shared with another student and a teacher because this was not like her. This was an end-of-degree exam for a degree she enjoyed Mm -hmm. and was doing well in. When no one was there she was then reported missing. Now, they knew it was odd simply because of her passion and focus and what she wanted as a career. She wouldn't have just not turned up for this exam.
1: Yeah, and just thrown away her, like, final marks. That's a bit, like, wild, isn't it?
0: Yes. Now, at 8pm that night, Catherine's car, a and Diane, was found bloodstained on the inside in the college car. Yeah. Camp. Diane, yeah, D-Y-A-N-E. No, Africa.
1: Sorry. 8pm. 8pm, yeah. Like, that. I I don't know what police work was like in 1991, but what time was she reported missing?
0: That morning.
1: Yeah. And at 8pm they found her car.
0: Yeah, because they hadn't done a search. They hadn't, they hadn't really reported her missing, but nothing had actually been done yet.
1: Right. And so, surely, like, her car's not at home, first place. find. find Find a car. Has she gone on a road trip somewhere? Do you know, like, and it, especially if the college tutors are reporting her missing? Oh, could it, could it, could the car be the college? Like, I, I don't know. To me, that just feels like a long time. But yeah. When well, she was
0: reported missing, the police don't, she's like, she was 24. The police wouldn't have thought, oh, there's something dodgy about this straight away. Um,
1: okay. Okay. Yeah. But... Lower my expectations, basically,
0: right? But the following day, a full search, full-scale full search was launched, looking for Catherine, along with a in the press about a missing woman. Now, some 40 officers were assigned to search for her, along with police dogs, but with no luck, because as what they didn't know, was that her body was in the boot of that rental car at Gatwick Airport. By 2.30 PM, the police released to the, released to the press that they were looking for Curtis Howard, They gave descriptions of his car, his rental car, along with the number plate. And the following day, she was found because they found the car in the airport. uh, She was found in the airport car park. Wow. So how did we get here, Rach? A -hmm. student, a student who was from the U.S., who was studying in the U.S., traveling to the U.K. to kill someone and only traveling to the U.K. to kill someone before going home again. I know you can't answer that question, um, but...
1: Sorry, I didn't know whether it was a rhetorical question. Uh, I am intrigued, and I know you're obviously going to go on to tell us as well, but to me, this is so senseless and brutal. And I can't think of anything that you're about to go on to tell us that would make it make sense.
0: Yeah. So let me... I agree completely with you. No, let me introduce you to the killer and explain how the situation came about.
1: So, the situation.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's probably not the right <laughs> word, but how this all came about. <laughs> Firstly, let's look at this barbaric killer, shall we? Curtis Howard. Now, as I mentioned a moment ago, Curtis was a twenty-four year old computer scientist student from a small town just south of the historic city of Boston in the United States. Now I can't pronounce the state Boston is in, so I'm not gonna try and butcher it and fail badly
1: massachusetts
0: yes that's the one i'm not even going to try because i have I actually practiced it several times and a conclusion was i'm glad i wasn't born there because i'd never able <laughs> to say it um, I, uh,
1: I love america so uh yeah massachusetts
0: yes well done you can say every time then for me um <laughs> i'll just record it and splice it in curtis uh grew up in a poor community one of seven children his parents split when he was five and that meant his family split up too, with some children going to his dad's and some to his mum's. He went to wow. his dad's, but Can
1: you imagine that, like, hmm. sorry, just to just to pause there for a second, like splitting your kids up, like, yeah, you take her, I'll take him. It's like a sports team, isn't it? Like
0: seven children, lot too practical for one person, isn't it? Though
1: I know, I know, but like having one without the other, like. You know, even even just one going off to their dads would, would have a major impact on the other sex When that's That's yeah. just quite sad. So Def-
0: Definitely, because apparently they really didn't really communicate well after that, so they kind of lost touch. But it didn't let it affect him, though, Rachel. He was described as highly intelligent and a brilliant student. He excelled in computer studies, and even when he was at a summer internship at PepsiCo, he won a $2,000 scholarship award for an inventory program. He made during that internship. Now he managed to get himself a full scholarship. He actually managed to get himself several full scholarships to Bridgewater State University, and his ambition was to work for IBM. So despite his size, because I mentioned earlier he was six foot four, he was described as quiet, pleasant and totally harmless. While at college, He was on the events committee, which planned events for students. Now I don't have or couldn't find full details of what happened next, but we do know that during his first year, he became involved with a fellow student that ended badly. He definitely broke into where the woman lived as he was charged with trespassing. Now some reports said he had a knife and he gave her minor injuries and some didn't, but he definitely, after that happened, tried to take his own life by hanging himself.
1: Oh, wow. Now, I was about to say, like, especially when you said that he was, like, really diligent, lovely, friendly. Like, what the hell happened?
0: Yeah, now, I don't think it's a surprise that he wasn't successful when he tried to hang himself. No. no. And that, that, yeah, that meant he had to take a few months out of his degree and subsequently he had to repeat his year again. The following which was really key to this story having to repeat his year. The following academic year, which was nineteen eighty nine, Catherine and seven other students went on an exchange programme to the United States to Bridgewater State University. And that's how he met her because they were on, they were in the same year, not the same course but the same year. Right. No. It was August of nineteen eighty nine, and Catherine was determined to just to treasure the opportunity she had this was 1989, so it's not often people went to the States to study. And just to have fun. Now, she quickly met this tall, quiet student who fell for her by the name of Curtis Howard. She initially rejected his advances, not being interested in a relationship while she was over there. But he was insistent. Now, out of politeness due to his persistence, and probably according to her family, to help lay him down a little bit and stop him being so persistent, she agreed to go on a date with him. Now, she thought it would just be a quiet meal with the two of them, but Curtis wanted to impress her, so he wanted to take this chance with both hands. He turned up for the date in a rented limousine while wearing a tuxedo, and he took her to one of the most expensive seafood restaurants in the area.
1: That's just quite extreme, isn't it? Like, Obviously, the intent is to like woo her, right? And and really like, oh wow, look at how this man's treating me. But to a woman that's not interested and is almost just doing it as a thing of he's he's super polite and nice, so I will just entertain it. That's actually quite intimidating, isn't it?
0: Yeah, exactly. And actually reports from a family of friends said that this made her feel really uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. So she made it clear to him that she would remain friends with him, but nothing else. Nothing, there was never any romantic between them. So they remained friends, not close, but friendly when they saw each other. You know, it's like, don't hang out, but if you see each other, you chat, and you have a little um, conversation, that's it really. Oh, yeah. Uh, Casual acquaintance. But in December of 1989, Catherine's dad died suddenly, which meant she had to return home early from the exchange programme, and she just never returned. She just enrolled back again at the crew college.
1: Oh, wow. And and I'm guessing because it happened so suddenly, she probably wasn't in the motions of getting in touch with him and saying, oh, I'm off now, I'll see you well, later. And they
0: weren't even that close anyway, so... No, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, no, she didn't know. So, But that wouldn't be the end of it as far as Curtis was concerned. he no. mm. would bombard her with phone calls, letters, gifts, including an expensive leather jacket and he would send her money. None of the things Catherine asked for wanted or encouraged. At first, she replied to some emails. This had been, must have been the very first uh, forms of emails, but she replied to some bluntly, and a matter of fact, just to tell him to stop. But in the end, when she wasn't letting down, she, uh, she just ignored all contact from him because he was on the other side of the ocean. Now, in June of 1990, he suddenly showed up in the UK at Catherine's sister's house because he didn't know where Catherine lived. The previous gifts he'd sent to the sisters. I don't know how he got that address, but he did. Now, he was, rightly so as well, sent packing by the sister, telling him that he was not wanted there and to go back to the United States. When he left Catherine's sister's house, he went to the grave of her dad. He left a note filled with anger. And it was never reported exactly what it said, but he also desecrated the grave.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Again, while it was never reported what he did, it was so bad that the family later on felt they needed to get get the grave re-blessed. Now, when this was happening, they actually found a knife he had buried in the grave. He then went to a pub where Catherine worked part-time, but he was unable to find her. Before returning at a later stage to Catherine's sister's home when she was out, carving with a knife on the inside of the front door, Catherine is dead. As, it's well, so as, full. Yeah, as well as carving in an inverted swastika in the door.
1: Jesus.
0: Curtis would be arrested and convicted of criminal damage and burglary for that. He would be fined, and while not officially deported, his passport would be stamped with a special stance which meant that should he try to enter the country again, the immigration officials would be alerted that he was a person of interest and he was put on a plane and sent back to the US. So in in reality, while he wasn't officially deported, he would never get back in the UK again. Now it's probably worth noting that when arrested, he told the British police that he had connections in the UK who would finish the job on both Catherine and her sister.
1: I'm I'm godsmacked. So what? Uh, yeah, what's his game plan here? Like telling the police or the authorities? Well, just, I like... think
0: he I think he lost it because he was basically at this point it, it turns into anger against Catherine and her sister, yeah. and her sister's partner as well. And he said that this cost him too much money. He'd spent all this money, and she was now ignoring him. Now the reality was he had spent a lot of money, but on Things she didn't want and things she told him not to send her. So, you no, know, like stalking, basically, but stalking wasn't a crime back then, but stalking. Uh, so, when he returned to the United States, he then dropped out of his studies. He hired a private detective to un- hit them that he was in a relationship with Catherine and he wanted to make sure she wasn't cheating on him. He got some details from them, including her college schedule and what was her usual routine. At this point, he would often describe Catherine to people he knew as either his girlfriend or his fiance. In March of 1991, he applied for a new passport using the identity of Kevin Dion Bell, a child who had died in 1975, but he was not successful in getting that passport. It was detected. He then somehow, and I'm not sure how, as I'm not sure who would agree to this, but he got his friend to put on his glasses, and then apply for a passport using a photograph of him wearing cases of glasses. Once that passport arrived, he then planned his trip back to the UK and back to Crewe.
1: And whose whose name was that passport in?
0: And his friend. So it was in his friend, and it was his friend in the photograph. But his friend basically oh put God. his glasses on because back then there was no biometrics or anything like that. It was just
1: yeah. they'd look yeah, at yeah, your yeah.
0: photograph. Yeah, so.
1: What an idiot his friend is like. No, why would you agree
0: to that? Because you, uh, must think, yeah. you must think, he'd have to explain why he didn't have a passport or yeah. why he couldn't go back on his own passport. And immediately you'd think, no, I can't do this because no. they, don't, they, they, they don't want him in that country for a reason.
1: Well, he no. will have been, surely, at the point um, where this goes to court, because I, I take it it will, um, his friend will have been Surely, um, charged with something for that as well. What, yeah, that's insane. Like the idiocy of some people,
0: yeah.
1: This guy is clearly suffering, like, uh, like with his mental health because this is not normal behavior, right?
0: No, um, the gay's character for him,
1: yeah, and people that are aiding him in this process aren't helping like in the great scheme of things so they should be punished because somebody that isn't in the right frame of mind i'm not giving him reasons or excuses for his behavior but he's clearly not in the right frame of mind but the people that are facilitating the travel um are and should be being like more adult about it and 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 you know thinking well why does he need a passport in my name and a photo and all and all of that and, and putting a stop to it?
0: Exactly. So on May the 22nd of 1991, some seven days before he killed Catherine, he entered the UK on that passport and checked in at a hotel called the Holly Trees Hotel, just a mile away from Catherine's college and very close to her current address. Now, he initially only booked a room for two nights So it's obvious what he was planning to do. But he spent the first two days becoming increasingly desperate because he was unable to rent a car. This was because his license, being American, only allowed automatic cars to be driven. And back then in the UK, automatic cars were quite unusual and almost unheard of in rental cars. Oh, wow. Now, after two nights, he extended his hotel stay for seven more nights. And he eventually found a rental car, the one I mentioned earlier. He, brought, he bought a film that cheaply tinted the windows of the car and spent the next few days stalking Catherine. Her friends and other students would see him and report it to the college, but nothing was done. He, even, he even went inside the college pretending to look for the American student, Studies Department to look for Catherine. Now, on the day she was killed, let's get forward to the 29th, Catherine saw him. She told her friends, and she reported it to a tutor who walked around the campus with her, looking for him. Her words to the tutor were, I may be going mad, but I'm sure I've seen Curtis following me. When they couldn't see him, her tutor told her not to worry about it and just to put it out of her head. Now, a few hours later, she would be dead.
1: Oh, my God.
0: A few days later, Curtis, so we was back in America by right now, A few days later, Curtis would get in touch with a college student advisor who knew him and Catherine and knew the situation around his first visit to the UK. He told the advisor that he had gone to the UK and he confessed that he had killed Catherine. Now the advisor didn't believe him because he knew he'd have trouble getting back into the UK but he jotted a number he was calling from and after some deliberation he called the police and told them what happened in the conversation. And he gave them the number along with an explanation. So at that time, he contacted them. The British authorities had not long also contacted their American counterparts to tell them what had happened and advised that they would be seeking extradition so they could arrest Curtis. The number the advisor had turned out to be Curtis's brother's home number. And within a couple of days, the FBI were raiding the apartment of his brother, Now, they found Curtis and they initially arrested him for attempting to obtain a passport illegally. Do you remember of the dead child? So it was easier to arrest him for something they could hold him with. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, So they arrested him for that. When he was arrested, they found in in his possession a letter he had written to a friend, but then torn up and the letter said this. It's not long, so I'll read it verbatim. My friend... I have done something terribly wrong. Francois, I have committed an unspeakable and unforgivable act. I took the life of a person who never hated me, a person who never any time sought to hurt me in any way. A person whose life was twice as meaningful, if not more than mine. My friend, I killed Catherine. I know it sounds unbelievable, for even now some twenty four hours after it happened, I still can't believe it. It's as if it was some bad dream. I can't explain it, nor can I explain the pain and guilt I feel and forever will feel for as long as I am alive, which won't be very long. It was not until I held her in my arms and she called out my name and she said that she was cold, that I realized it was Catherine and I had Mm. killed her. No enemy whatever. No anything of that. So, and he'd ripped it up. So that sounded to me like it was probably a suicide note and he changed his mind about killing himself. Yeah. Um, But so the US and UK do have a mutual extradition agreement between them, but that doesn't mean that people can automatically be extradited, it just means that they can be, but he still has to go to court. Curtis hired a lawyer, and while he admitted to the FBI that the UK authorities had probable cause to want to take him to court and to try him, he did state that he will be fighting the extradition and the passport charges. The grounds of fighting extradition was that the uk was generally a racist country and as a black man he wouldn't stand a fair trial that the british press had named him and still so up hatred towards him and that the british legal system didn't have voir dire probably spelled up pronounced it wrong when it came to selecting the jury so he couldn't be guaranteed a fair trial now oh I'm, I'm going to say this again i'm sorry for pronouncing it wrong voir is what you see in the TV shows and films, Rachel. To you know where the mm. prosecution and defence can ask potential jurors questions and, yeah. rule some, and rule some, out if they think they're going to be biased. Well, we, yeah. well, obviously we don't do that in the UK. No. So he was arguing because they don't do that, you wouldn't get a fair trial.
1: Oh now, well, but you can in the UK. You might not get like the opportunity to get grilled by the prosecution and the defence, but you can. Um, Recuse yourself, though, in the UK. Yes, can't you? you can. Yes. yes,
0: and if you get okay. found out that there's some sort of link, then they can be replaced. But yeah, there's no investigation yeah. or anything. It's based on honesty by the juror. Yeah. So it would take over two and a half years and several appealed by Curtis's lawyer before he would finally be deported. Now, in relation to his claims, the findings. Now I'm just a caveat here. I read one appeal. And the original findings of the courts, but I didn't read every single appeal because there were several pages long and they all kind of said the same thing after me. the first appeal so the original findings were that they thought the British people may be slightly racist well they implied that anyway but they said it wouldn't stop a fair trial that there was laws for unjust reporting that existed in the UK and that while there was coverage of Curtis in the papers it wasn't massively biased as some of the articles actually defended him and it only lasted for about a week and actually some of the furor was actually generated by Curtis's own lawyer so it was his own fault that the articles were in the newspaper Before his trial Curtis would be examined by psychiatrists who all agreed that he was a paranoid psychotic with a serious mental health problem His defense put forward a plea of guilty by, of manslaughter due to diminished responsibility which the prosecution agreed with, so it didn't go to trial. Oh, wow. Upon sentencing, the judge initially said that he would be using his discretion to sentence Curtis to life, even though it was a manslaughter plea, and that he had to decide between a prison, a long prison sentence, and a secure hospital stay. He said that he considered Curtis to be a danger to society, and in particular, a danger to Catherine's sister, Sylvia, Sylvia's partner and also their child, as Curtis had several times said they needed to be punished. The judge would ultimately sentence Curtis to a prison sentence of life with a minimum term of seven years. So it's not really life, is it? But seven years. No. Curtis, and, but, yeah. sh-
1: sorry, surely when when these kinds of low shorter sentences come along though, there's so much um involved in, in coming out of prison and the process because if you are um well
0: I'll get to that.
1: Oh yeah sorry. No no I'll get to that <laughs> because
0: it's I agree completely with you and our listeners carry on your sentence actually because our listeners it's worth for them um, understanding what you're about to say.
1: Yeah. I just think when there are implications relating to diminished responsibility, like essentially you're a danger in society because you don't like understand or my interpretation of it in general, this is very generalized, is that you you didn't understand the implications of your actions, and that just can't go away overnight. Like you can't just apologize for that and say, Oh, but I'm I'm better now. Let yeah. me out. So he might have got a sentence to seven years, but am I right in thinking that there would be a very robust and strict process in which he would then be able to um like come out of of um his sentence and and like reintegrate with society shall we see yeah go for it
0: (laughs) so kirsten's lawyer, his barrister then argued that the time he spent in an american prison awaiting deportation for almost three years should be removed as time spent because if he had been on remand in england that would count the judge noted that is usually what happened but It was obvious Curtis and his lawyer had done all they could to lie to prevent the extradition so he couldn't give the full time off the sentence. He did agree to one year being classed as time already spent. So now we're talking life of a minimum of six years. And when he was sentenced, Curtis started crying and there were shouts from the gallery from Catherine's family that he should rot in hell. So in November 2001, some seven years after his conviction, Curtis managed to convince the parole board that he was fine to be released and he would be released with his deportation to the US occurring in the following February. Now, in the UK, when someone gets life, they are on a lifelong license upon release, meaning any crime committed at all, even if it's just shoplifting, would mean a return to prison to continue to serve the life sentence. Now, as he had been deported, the US authorities had no legal right to monitor someone in the same way as it wasn't a US conviction or oh. there wasn't a US rule about the lifelong licence, which means that for just over 20 years, Curtis has been living his life as a free man with no monitoring in the United States and just gone about his business. So he basically served seven oh years for God. killing someone.
1: Oh, my God. So am oh, gobsmacked.
0: Now I've not been able, I did a look, and for a moment I thought I'd found a crime committed by someone with the same name, even his middle name, in the same state he was from, of second degree murder, or attempted murder, I can't remember which now, but I couldn't for definite find out if it was him or not. Um, So I couldn't really find anything concrete on what happened to him since then so possibly he hasn't committed another crime but possibly has but still he'd managed to evade. the only reason the judge gave him his life sentence was so he'd be monitored afterwards continually now obviously because he was deported the judge must not realised that and it didn't really matter so i think if the judge would have realized that he'd probably give him a longer sentence but um but yeah what do you think of this case rach
1: really heartbreaking yeah, like especially all of the warning signs and the measures that could have prevented um, the 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 attack and the the killing. You know, um, just the the build up in general. The friend that facilitated his travel to the UK. The students that saw somebody on campus that didn't seem right. Um, the fact that he was able to hire a car. And I know I know that's not the rental car company's fault, but um yeah, just really, really difficult.
0: And even, her, to... and even her and her tutor and just being told not to worry about it, put it out of your head.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just really and really senseless killing because ultimately he was just um not like, you know, his love, his obsession wasn't reciprocated, was it? So yeah. He went on to kill, and it's yeah. When when it's when it's like that, it's not because you know they they loved each other, and he was just very violent and and ended her life because of that. But he, he yeah, just so pointless and heartless and senseless, like
0: just really. And it was terrible hard. what happened. It was terrible what happened to Catherine. And some might say, well, she only really spotted him on the day she was killed, so at least there was not prolonged like suffering or anxiety, but actually her family and friends said that in a couple of weeks before it happened, she'd actually retreated from all social activities and was couldn't really be seen out anywhere. So my guess, they don't know why, but they guess, and I agree with them, that he'd probably forewarned her and she was yeah. trying to just keep out of sight and not be... So she probably had for a few weeks before that be constantly looking over his shoulder being scared and being worried but there was no stalking laws back then so it wasn't a case of like she couldn't even go to the police and do it and you know what I mean because they're such yeah. a well he's been deported he's not here then and it's not yeah. a crime to actually Can't... even the police said there was a quote from the police so I didn't I don't know I didn't include these said that um it's not a crime to send someone gifts and to send someone flowers and money. And so we couldn't do anything about it. There's nothing, there's nothing we could do. It's just, um, just unfortunate.
1: It's wild. Like, cause that, like, at least there have been advancements now in terms of like, um, this, the, the behavior, uh, behavioral pattern of men and of women in these unwanted, unnecessary, um, acts that are, are made, you know, in terms of, um, like control or or stalking or you know just um intimidation intimidating behavior there's like been such a movement like and steps taken that that have gone in the right direction around that to protect men and women who are um victims but yeah back in 91 i'd completely agree with you the police would be like hey his passport's been blocked like what you know go home crazy lady um yeah. kind of thing where you know she is probably in this vicious cycle of of constant paranoid state where you know he's messaging her or leaving um messages however he might to warn her but i think as well like don't forget he disturbed the the resting place of her dad like to me yeah
0: and i don't know what Do you, the note said yeah but apparently it was awful
1: oh it, just anything the fact that he yeah. was there like if i think about where my loved ones are resting and if i thought about somebody that i didn't necessarily want to associate with any longer in my life and then being in that that space that would be an invasion of my my privacy my personal space like you know my family's personal space and their fit privacy too but to then do what he did and desecrate yeah. the grave like oh just beyond awful so you know i'm not surprised that she she retracted retreated she probably in a sense blamed herself as well for bringing him into their lives and and allowing this to happen because again in situations like this how often do do the victims turn around and go, God, this is all my fault. You know, yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said hello to him. I shouldn't have. Do you, do you know how often yeah. do we hear those kind of things happening?
0: I imagine she probably did blame herself. She had no reason to, but she probably no, did. No, absolutely like, not. Like, why did I agree to go on that date with him?
1: Yeah, exactly. Or did I Did I give him any signs that I was interested? Did I Did I somehow encourage this? Like, it's all that kind of behaviour where you you kind of end up convincing yourself that it, it must be your fault you're in this situation ultimately. And yeah, just to caveat, like, I am not in any way, shape, or form suggesting that she was. It is more a typical, like, trait of a victim to feel like they brought it on. And that is, that should not be the case. But unfortunately, it's what we often see.
0: Exactly. So let me wrap this up then, Rachel. Yeah. This has been season two episode twenty one called "I see you and for one last time if it's safe for you to do so, I let you to relax close your eyes and picture the scene I'd like all of you to keep your eyes closed and just think about this should someone who has admitted murder have never been able to explain why when the authorities are considering their release, should it be taken into consideration exactly what they can? or cannot do upon their release. Should Curtis have served longer, because the reason he was sentenced to life was so that he'd have the license upon release. But that never happened. Now, let me ask you this question, everyone. Does that make you feel safe? So...
1: Mm, Not at all,
0: yes. Exactly. So thank you all for listening. And... Stay safe and let us know what you think in the comments. And until then, goodbye.
1: Bye.